What a great day. It was beautiful. Did you wake up and see I mean, the snow and the mountains, the slushy roads, the clear highway? Can you say amen to that? Wow, what a great day. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 24. We continue our study of uh, deep dive, and we're continuing to look at, you know, we, we have an amazing book that's guiding us. We have daily reading, we have discussion, we have small groups, and if you still aren't part of one, you want to be one, we can make it happen. If you don't have a book, I just ordered a bunch more books, so if you don't have a book, let me know, we'll get you a book, so we want everyone to have opportunity. And you know, we're looking at today the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about uh, uh, pneumatology. That is a fancy word. Some of you might know what that means because pneumatology, tology, the last part, ology, means study. And pneuma means spirit in the Greek. So we're studying the spirit. So guess what? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. That is so exciting. The third person of the Trinity and we talked about Jesus, we talked about the Father, now we're going to talk about, can I share with you my frustration though? There is so much to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I've only got 35 minutes. So forgive me, because I could, we could be here till 12.30 easily. <laughs> uh, you guys don't look very happy when I said that. Um, can you say amen to that? It, if, if God said stay, we'd be okay, right? Amen? Yeah, well. We'll wait. We'll see how it happens as we keep going. But there's something about what the Word of God tells us about the Holy Spirit. It's, wow, it's amazing. You know, I think about what we've talked about. Jesus has come to bring you and I new life. And that work comes by way of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, I am seeing the evidence of changed lives. I just had someone say to me, I'm so thankful for the new life that I have because of what Jesus has brought. It is exciting. And then on top of that, there's abundant life. We recognize that with new life comes an abundant life, which doesn't mean an abundance, but the joy and, and the, the fruit of the Spirit of God, all the things that come, you, you reflect an abundant life, something that brings um, something amazing. And then, of course, we just got done singing about eternal life. Our forever has already started if you're a believer in Jesus. And that concept, can I say this to, to us today, is critically important. You have forever in front of you. The place of heaven has been secured. And you and I as the church need to remember the importance of that truth. When you've received Jesus and you believed in him, your forever will take place. And that ought to change the way we think the way we respond to life around us. Because no matter what happens, no one can take away your forever. And when you understand that truth, when you face difficult, challenging moments, when no one can steal that away from you, it helps you get through those times. I remember just thinking, as I was going through you know, my time in the hospital, I was thinking, as I went through it, what's the worst that can happen. I get to go with Jesus forever. Now, my wife didn't agree with that. Because she said, well, then I have to take care of the dog by myself. I have to do the house by myself. 
and on it went. And, I, and so I said the right thing that any pastor would say to his wife, God will supply. <laughs> well, I'll give you a little insight into our home. But, uh, you know, it really is true. You and I, what is the worst that can happen? We go home to be with Jesus. Now, when you, see, here's the thing I want the church to understand. I don't think we really believe that. I believe we struggle with that truth. I think we really have a hard time with the reality because it's like, well, I, I hear myself saying it, but I'm not sure I'm okay with that. That I'm not sure that I want that to happen. I'm not even sure it's going to happen. I've had those conversations. But listen, when you understand that truth, believe it and know it, have confidence in it, it will dynamically change everything else around you. It'll change how you talk. It'll even change how you walk. It's amazing what that will do. I am convinced that there is a a force at work that's trying to kill that passion, that's trying to injure that truth right now more than any other time. There are people who are struggling with loss. They're feeling the deep sense of, of the brokenness of life around them. And Jesus says, I've come with a message for you, a message of new life, abundant life, and eternal life, and more power than you could ever imagine to live through all of this, the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? So today we're going to do a deep dive into the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at Luke chapter 24. At the very end there, the last chapter of uh, Luke's letter, a letter that really ends with a powerful statement that's the title of the message. There is power from on high. Can you say amen to that? Power from on high. Verse 36, we're going to look at a moment in time, and I want you to reflect for a second. This is a moment that Luke records the event of Jesus showing up after his resurrection while they were all hanging out, feeling really bad about what had just happened. You know, the disciples had witnessed that who they thought was the Messiah go to the cross, die there, one of the worst deaths you can imagine, and then his body was put in a tomb. And they walked away unbelievably weakened by that, thinking, we thought he was the Messiah. Because he was a Messiah, that would not have happened. Because you got to realize, with even quicker than that, he could have changed everything. He could have come off the cross. He could have stopped everything. Everything could have changed. And yet, he died. And they were like, I don't get this. I, I, thought, he was, I thought he was the anointed one. And so here they are gathered in this room, and then Jesus shows up following his resurrection. And the crazy thing is they didn't recognize him. He stood there right in front of them, like closer than I am to you, and they had no idea what was going on. They weren't sure who he was. I got to thinking about this, and here's what God spoke to me. I'm standing in front of people right now, and they don't recognize me. Some of us, Jesus would show up, And all of a sudden, he'd be right there in front of you, and you might not recognize him. And I believe there's something tragic about that truth. But Jesus says, I have come with something that's so amazing. Verse 36, let's look together. While they were still talking about this, 
And what was this? Everything that they had lost, all the, all the terrible things that had gone on. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. What would you say if you just got done being resurrected? Right? You, you just, you just, this amazing thing just happened. You show up in front of, you know, like your closest buddies. Hey, peace, Irene. I'd say more than that. But what he said was very powerful. Verse 37, we'll come back to that. He says, they, they were startled, they were frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and, and, and why... And why, why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands, my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and blood, uh, flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. He literally showed them. The holes that were there at his wrists, at his feet, at his side, and the scar, these were not pretty looking holes. You have to realize that Jesus, and I want you to hear this, when he went through all that he did and his body took on all that suffering, the whipping, the holes, all the, the punishment, here's the crazy thing. After his resurrection, he still had all those marks. Because he who was perfect took on those marks for you and I forever. When we go to heaven, you will see all of that. Because it will demonstrate the truth. I did, in fact, died, rose, and ascended for you. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. And we will see that. And that, what an amazing thing that Jesus who was perfect, went back to heaven with an imperfect body. Now, he's perfect again, but he would choose to keep those marks with him forever. Can you say amen to that? That's pretty powerful. So, verse 41, while they, it's interesting, while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? Sounds like a teenager. I guess he was hungry after the resurrection. Now, more's going on. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. You see, I almost titled this message, Ghosts Don't Eat. He was trying to prove the fact I'm real, because what you see in front of you is flesh and blood. I've got all the body parts of a human, so give me a piece of that fish. Let me eat it in front of you so you know this is not something you're imagining. Who I am is Jesus, the Messiah, in resurrected form. Watch me eat. Wow, what an amazing thing that took place. You know, when Jesus stood in front of them and said, Irene, peace. He used a Greek word that we know was used at this moment that was so powerful because I want you to understand his presence brings to us peace. Now what's happening here when he said that is there was a lot going on. 
there was a lot of hurt and fear and battles and struggles taking place. And what he said was, I have come to bring an end to that struggle, to that discord, to that battle. With that one word, he said, let there be peace. Let there be an end to the things that seem to be ugly and overwhelming. Let there be peace be with you. That's what Jesus brings to us. Can you see of that? What an amazing gift that he brings to us. Because that peace is what brings calm and wholeness and holiness in the midst of the craziness of life. How do you and I walk through all the garbage we go through and all the trials and tribulation? Because when he comes and he's present, and we have the Holy Spirit, we have his peace. So Jesus, when he said, hey, let's eat, he's trying to help them understand what I'm giving you is real because I am real. Jesus is real. Can you say amen to that? Verse 44, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. Right? He's talking about the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And, and he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name to all nations, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is saying, do you not remember everything I said? It's real. It's true. Sometimes I want to say, do you not remember what God wrote in his book? Do you not remember last week's message and the word that we brought to you, the scripture that we read? But Jesus does something that he does for us. He opened up their mind. See, sometimes we forget that one of the ways, see, a lot of times when we study Scripture, we can look at commentaries, we can look at all kinds of tools and resources, ask people what their opinion is. When's the last time you read the Word and said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, open up my mind to understand this passage? Because when you do that, you will have a different understanding of what is being spoken of. And then you can verify that if you think, well, I'm not sure if that's correct, and you verify it. That's why you have all kinds of amazing people around you. But we forget sometimes to pray. I mean, when you read this, ask, when's the last time you prayed, God, help me to read this well, to understand this well, to receive what you have for me right now. Open up my heart and my mind because Jesus is saying, you need to understand that I have taught you that from the scriptures of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, they're all going to come true. And in fact, Jesus right now is standing there, and it has all come true. 
That is the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfilled, remember I handed out 50 prophecies. Every one of those 50 prophecies that you were given about Jesus last week, all have been fulfilled. Now, what's the likelihood of that happening with any one person? I mean, that's, this was not an accident. This is by the hand and the will of God. Now, Jesus continued, and he says, and it's interesting, the Christ, or the Messiah, will suffer, okay, rise from the dead. We got that third day. And look what he said. He, he's always reminding, ever reminding us of our mission and purpose. And he said, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Now let's stop there. What are we about? We are about preaching repentance and forgiveness to all nations. We are about speaking a word of repent and know God's forgiveness. I think the church has forgotten that. Some of us might kind of remember, but somehow we get lost in so many other things of activities and events and all kinds of self-focused things, and we forget. See, Jesus... Okay, he's just been resurrected. You know, the first things he says are very critical. We are here at a place where, in Luke 24, Acts chapter 1, the first eight verses, you are at a place right now where a lot of amazing things are being said. And he's sort of summarizing everything that has gone on. And he's saying, listen, you've got to get this. I'm going to, he hasn't said it yet, but he's going to in another couple of verses. I'm about to ascend. And he will. They will watch him ascend. But when I'm gone, I'm leaving behind the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the advocate for you. I'm leaving behind, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to preach, teach, speak of repentance and forgiveness. Those are two critical things that you and I must continue to do. Can you say amen to that? And he says, I'm leaving you help to do that. You're not on your own. So, What an amazing statement that he says that we have come to continue the plan that God has started from the very beginning. Do you realize that this is a fulfillment of the covenants of God? What's happening right now, so here we go, a little deeper theology. God gave Abraham a covenant, Genesis, right? You go back, Genesis starting chapter 12. God gave David, King David, a covenant. You go back to Samuel Um, specifically in 2 Samuel chapter 7. You go there and you can review for yourself. God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. So here's a part of it. It says to Abraham, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So you're starting about something that is going to happen. It's going to take place. And then he says to David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Whose throne is that? Jesus. Jesus is fulfilling right now the promise to David, the promise to Abraham, the things that Isaiah spoke of when he said... I will make you my people, and you will go to all the nations and speak the word of 
Say it with me. Repentance and forgiveness. Okay, together. Repentance and forgiveness. That's what we're about. And Jesus reminding us of who we are and the directions we're to go. And he says, okay, verse 49, you're not on your own because I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. To have been given this amazing gift of power from on high. Endued with power. Maybe in a more different terminology, plugged into the power source. Maybe you got electric power tools. I do. I got the one with batteries, you know, that you have to charge up. Have you ever noticed every now and then you go pick it? It happened to me the other day. I went to go pick up my drill, and I pressed it, and nothing happened because it lost its power. So I needed to plug it back in to the Spirit of God, to my battery charger, charge it up, put it back in, and guess what happened? It had power. If you're not plugged in, you have no power. You are a dead drill. (laughs) What happens if a hydroelectric plant loses its water? No electricity. It stops working. Trying to minister to others without the power of the Holy Spirit is like not being plugged in to the electrical power source in your home. You need to be plugged in. You know, you can do a lot of interesting things in life, and some of you do, I mean, good things, but you really can do nothing that is really good without his power. See, that's a bit challenging to people, because people will argue with you, well, I do all kinds of good things, and I don't doubt that. But you know, there's a lot of things that you can't do until you're plugged into the power of God. You know what? You can schedule revival all you want, but it's not going to happen until God's people are plugged into the power. Well, we're talking about, because it's gotten, thanks to our media, we hear a lot about Ashbury Revival, and we're thinking, I want that. Why not us? I agree, why not us? I'll tell you one reason why not us. If you're not plugged into the power, it's not going to happen, because you can't produce that. You only release it. If it isn't there, it's not going to happen. And I think, once again, we get confused because somehow we think we can market and manage the Spirit of God and the church and the work that takes place. And i got to tell you something, that concept of trying to run a church, do ministry like you would manage a business, is just dumb. Because it can't happen. If you want revival, then we need to wait as they waited for power from on high, and then God does it. We don't. But I want you to be reminded of something I know for a fact, that those around that prayer movement and the worship that's going on have been praying for years. Now, I've heard someone say to me, well, we've been praying for years. Can I challenge that? I'm not sure that's true. See, I'm not sure we understand prayer. I'm not sure we really get prayer. I've got to go by the evidence that I see. 
because when we call for a prayer, three people show up. I got to find the evidence because when I have conversations with people, I hear something like, well, I prayed once 20 years ago. That should be enough for God. I mean, I prayed for revival. And so now I prayed, now I'm waiting. 20 years later, nothing's happened. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about daily seeking God, coming to him, asking him repeatedly, God, I hunger, I'm passionate, I want to see people saved, I want to see people repent, I want to see people forgiven, I want to see people healed. And you do that once. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad you did it once. But am I making my point? You have to really want that. And I'm not sure the church really wants that. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that by way of my time, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of that. I really do. Because I believe that there's something so much more. Because faith, real faith, doesn't work in the realm of what's possible. Faith starts where man's power ends and his began. Can you say amen to that, church? Look what it says. You know, we're connecting now. Luke 24, Acts 1, 5. Same moment in history. Same description. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. That's the exact same thing that Luke is writing about. Is also written about by Luke in Acts chapter 1. The two connect. And what he's saying is, you're not going to do this on your own strength. Church, we must nail that down. The word says, not by our might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Can you say amen to that? We need to be in agreement that it's by his spirit and not us. But he's telling them something's about to happen, and I'm going to send. Because he's saying, I have died I am risen, and now I'm going to ascend. And when I ascend, a power is going to come back. I've been at the very spot where that power fell out and came from on high on that first century church. I've always thought it was interesting. It took place on the southern steps of the temple. I've been there. There's 15 steps that walk up. And for whatever reason, the disciples were gathered around there at a time where thousands of people were coming and going. And all of a sudden, the power of God, the tongues of fire, the speaking in other language fell upon those believers at that moment. And everyone's walking by going, what in the world is going on? Because power from high had started to fall and take over and began to clothe the church. And then some pretty amazing things happened. And it's interesting, this happened on the southern steps of the temple, the steps of ascension. This was a very specific place where people would enter. And I thought it was interesting that it was in front of two gates called the gates of healing. Does that, like, astound you? That in front of the entranceway where people would walk in to experience healing, at that very place... The outpouring of the Holy Spirit came on that first century group that was endued and clothed with power from on high, and the birth of the church took place. I have stood there. I have seen that place, and it is amazing. See, that's why we were given the Holy Spirit, 
Because what happened then isn't a one-time deal. The language, everything about it is absolutely clear that this would happen repeatedly. This continues to happen to this day. It wasn't just for then as if a one-time deal and then we're done. If that were the case, then Jesus would have said clearly in the language, and you will receive power from a high one time only, so make sure you're in the right spot at the right time. But that's not what he says. We have been given the most powerful force in all of the universe, given to all of human beings. The power and the might of the Holy Spirit, that's already within us. When you receive Jesus and you believe him, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now all you have to do is release what's already inside you. Can you say amen to that? You don't produce it. You release it because it's already there. And it reminds us that, you know what? Jesus is alive. He's real. You and I give evidence and proof to Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty. We give proof to that by how we live, how we talk, and how we move amongst the people around us. You know, you think about, so what is the point of power from on high because the Holy Spirit comes to verify that Jesus Christ is alive by our testimony, by our evidence, by what we do. Number two, the Holy Spirit continues the ministry that Jesus started. What did Jesus say? I'm going to leave behind the Holy Spirit and the works you're going to do are going to be less than what I did? Oh, Bible scholars know the truth of that. You will do greater things than what I did. Can you believe that? You can do greater things than what Jesus did? I mean, does that like explode inside of you? Thirdly, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us to bring about growth and maturity so that Scripture tells us we can be more like Him. You'll never be Him, but we want to be more like Him. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit comes to bring power into, through, and overflowing into our lives and to others. Listen to John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Okay, so we kind of understand that. Because if I do not go away, the helper, who is the comforter, the advocate, this is from the Amplified, the intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby, And so much more, the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, will not come to you. In other words, I've got to do this. I've got to ascend. I have to go, because only till I go, then will the Holy Spirit come down. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to to be in close fellowship, close communion, close relationship with you. Not of all humanity. This isn't about we're one large group. Every one of you as an individual, I as Stephen, you as who you are, have that same power and possibility in you. And so the Holy Spirit comes to help me, help you, to live life. I hope you would recognize how important it is we need this. I look at life right now, How am I able to get through all that I've been through? Because I've got the Holy Spirit. How did I survive 
my heart stopping? How did I survive all the turmoil? How have I survived all the economics and all the craziness of the world we live in? How do I survive? How do I survive doing ministry? How do I survive being a pastor? Being a father, a grandfather, a husband? How do I survive all that? By the power of the Holy Spirit in me. It's not me, but the Spirit of God. And so I have... Here's what I have. Let me hit on a couple of key things. I have a comforter. You can have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. Now I've discovered that when we're grieving, when we're broken, when we're wounded, when we are scared, I, have, I know real fear. I've been scared recently. And you know what brought me comfort in addition to amazing people? When I was by myself, alone, listening to all the medical equipment behind me with no one else there, no one around. You know what brought me comfort that moment? The Spirit of God. There was a couple moments there that I'm looking around and I'm listening and thinking, oh God, why am I here? I am scared, Jesus. I never thought it happened so quickly. I never thought I would be in that position. Here I was. And at that moment, I started, I was listening to Scripture. I, there wasn't even a Bible in the room. But I had my phone with a Bible on it. And I pressed play. <laughs> and the Scripture started filling the room. I started hearing the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit came in, and all of a sudden, I felt a rene. In the midst of all the noise and the chaos and everything going on, God came and said, Steve, you're going to be okay. I'm thinking, I'm not sure what that means, but then I thought to myself, ah, I will be okay, no matter what happens. Yeah. And that all of a sudden brought everything down. The heat went way down. I've seen that happen in a lot of people because that's what the Holy Spirit comes as our comforter. I was not alone. Now, I think some of us struggle with that. You know, there are times when we all feel loneliness. I'm not talking about that. That's a normal human thing, right? We all every now and then feel lonely. You know, like loneliness, you know, you're missing people, you're missing your family or kids or whatever, and you kind of have that little moment and say you feel a little bit, you know, lonely. Normal. But feeling alone, that's a challenge. Because sometimes we can feel alone like God's not there. I'm alone. I'm all by myself in this moment. Or I have no one around me who sees me, who notices me, and I feel alone. See, some of us can be in a room like this with people around us, and we can feel alone. But the Holy Spirit comes and says, you are never alone. I am always with you. I am always present with you. Wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever the time of day it is, there's no place you can go where you are going to be alone. So I have an answer for those of you who feel invisible, for those of you who feel like you don't matter, for those of you who feel like no one notices you. The Spirit of God does. And He is with you. And you will never, ever be alone. Listen to Romans 
15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How? Ready? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you look at that, look at at that scripture. I put it up there for you. You notice the word overflow? You should underline that. Because that's not just a little bit. That's, That's the image of pouring into your cup of water and all of a sudden you're not looking and it starts flowing over and you go, oh no, I just made a mess. The Holy Spirit wants to make a mess in your life. Can you say amen to that? Overflows. So notice that word. And then with hope, with newness, with with a new way of living life. How? By good thinking? By wishing? No. By the power of circle, Holy Spirit. And that power reminds you that when you're in the worst circumstances, you are not alone. And that the Holy Spirit, number two, is your intercessor. You're not only not alone and he's your comforter, but the Holy Spirit intervenes on our behalf. He goes before our Heavenly Father for us. He speaks on our behalf. Have you ever prayed and feel like no one's listening? Ever prayed and prayed for something and you haven't gotten an answer, haven't gotten an answer, and you're struggling? I have. I will admit it. There have been times when I pray for something, I'm going, God, why are you not doing this? Why is this not happening yet? And at times like that, I think of Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit, Holy Spirit himself, intercedes, intervenes for us, ready for this, with groanings too deep for words. Oh, come on, you can say amen to that. This is way exciting. I mean, think about what this is saying. With groanings, with groanings that are deep. We're talking about a deep dive into grief and the loss and the pain. We're talking about the Holy Spirit does a deep dive into our soul. And then again, speaks on our behalf, intervenes on our behalf before our Heavenly Father. Now that word groanings, that's an important word. The word is the same word used for childbirth. The intensity of giving birth to a child is the same of what's happening here when it says he intercedes for us with groanings, with groanings too deep. I am so glad that is not something that I have to experience. I've watched my wife three times go through that, and she is amazing. But I watched the battle. I watched the struggles. I watched the the pressure of it all, of giving life. And when I all of a sudden saw the connection that the Holy Spirit groans as if giving life and birth to something, with all the pain that that, the intensity of that, that's how the Holy Spirit intercedes for me and for you. Now, can you say amen to that? Wow. 
you begin to realize what can happen. So when we're crying out to God and we're pouring our heart out and we say, God, help, I don't know what to say. Spirit of God, help me. Well, guess what's going to happen? The Spirit of God is going to start giving birth to that. And it's going to be amazing. The verse tells us that God hears our prayer. And we don't know what to pray. He steps in and helps us. Because the Holy Spirit's our healer. It comes, and throughout the Bible, we are reminded that the Holy Spirit comes to heal. And there's so many different ways and, and, and things that he does. This, but listen, Exodus 15, 23 says, For I am the Lord who heals you. The third person of the Trinity has come to bring about something miraculous and heal. Listen to what the Word says. He heals the brokenhearted, and he bandages their wounds. Isaiah says, but he, that's Jesus, will be pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. We will be, he will be beaten so that we could be whole, and he will be whipped so that we could be what? Healed. Do you see that Jesus wants us to be whole people, to be healed? Here's the crazy thing about healing, I know, is it happens one of two ways. It happens right away, or it takes a while. I like the right away one. But sometimes God does it progressively over time. But you know what I've learned? That progressive healing is just as much of a miracle as the immediate moment of healing. It's just more fun to have the immediate than the progressive. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> but it's still healing. Because what God wants for us is restoration. God wants you to be a whole person. God wants you to experience spiritual healing. He wants you to experience emotional healing. He wants you to experience physical healing. I don't understand all the details of it, but it does happen. And he brings this amazing gift to us. I have evidence of it when I look over here at our piano player. I have evidence when I look at Ginger. I have evidence when I look at Sally. I have evidence of it when I look at Diane. There are so many people who give evidence to the truth that he heals. Can you say amen to that? And we go and tell everyone else about it. There are so many people who have experienced emotional healing who have come broken and beaten up by life, by their family of origin, by abuse, by all kinds of things. And God gets a hold of them and heals them of guilt and shame, of the embarrassment. And all of a sudden, the ugly images in their head dissolve away in the same way he does physical healing. He does emotional healing, and we are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me on that? And the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our need for God. Listen to John 16, it says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, in Jesus righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. The Spirit of God comes to convict us of our need. We need God. 
Now, notice I said convict, not condemn. He doesn't come to condemn you. He comes to convict you. I was thinking about how to help us understand that, and I, I was remembering, you probably, every parent's been through this, I took one of my sons to the store. He was about five years old. I won't tell you which one. It's one of three, so you can guess. And um, we went to the store, we came out, just had to pick something up. It was just kind of like, let's do errands with dad kind of a thing. And we sat, we got back in the car, we sat down, and you know, when you're five years old and you're wearing jeans, things kind of really show up in your pockets. <laughs> and I noticed this really large box-looking thing in his pocket, and I said, son, what, what, what do you got there? And he kind of looked down, and he had the biggest pack of gum that I've ever seen. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I looked at that, and I realized, oh, my God, my son just shoplifted that, gr- that gum. The police are going to come and get us. They're going to arrest my son. <laughs> and so I just, like every good parent, I looked at that, and I thought, okay, I got I to gotta teach him. He's got he's to learn. So I said, you know, we don't do things like that because we didn't pay for that. And you just can't take anything you want from a store and walk out. And I could see him thinking about that. And then I said, so we're going to have to take the gum back now and put it, give it back to the clerk. And you're going to have to apologize. Dad, I, I, I'm really sorry. I said, I appreciate that. And thank you for apologizing to me. But now you're going to have to go apologize to the clerk. So we took him by his hand. We went back. And he took out his gum, put it on the counter. And I, I, I apologized to the clerk. I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. And then I looked at my son, and he looked at me. I looked at him again and said, nodded. Dad's nod. That's everything. And then he said, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, okay, no gum today. Then he broke. The minute I said, no gum, that's when he fell apart. And we walked out of the store, realizing he left behind the package of gum that he, he desired deeply. And I remember saying to my son, you know, it's okay. There'll be another day, and you'll get gum. Just not today. Because you made a mistake, and they give him the benefit of the doubt, that uh, you didn't know you had to pay for that. And you have to learn correction here. And he recovered in about an hour. (laughs) And I think what really helped him was, we'll go back and get gum another time. It was kind of interesting that he came back two hours later and said, okay, is it time? (laughs) I said, no. (laughs) You know what? That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. Every now and then we do something wrong. We make a mistake. And God says, you need to put that back. I love you. I care about you. But you have to learn what's right. You have to learn what's wrong. And if I don't teach you that, how will you be healthy? How will you be wholesome? How will you be able to live life? The Holy Spirit 
is active and present now in the world we live in. It says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that power will change your life. Do you want your life to change? It's the power we have for eternity. When Jesus is present with us, amazing, amazing things happen. And I want the Spirit of God to guide me, teach me. I trust the Holy Spirit. You know, you may know Jesus, and I asked you this question. Do you have power from on high? Have you received the gift that God has promised you? You know, I noticed that when I first received Jesus, it was later on that I prayed, and all of a sudden, I received power from on high. And an amazing thing happened. didn't happen the first time I prayed. I noticed that I prayed several times, and then one of the times I prayed, I remember it was a few days later, and I was just worshiping God with a friend, and then all of a sudden, power from on high came, and the miracle of God took place. Because it was being released rather than me trying to produce it. Because God will release that in you. God has a promise for us. There is more. There's power from on high.